Draft day two is in the books, and that means it's time for another edition of the Pick 6 Podcast. What's up, everybody? Will Brinson here, your host. You guys, people listening to this, new subscribers, old subscribers, new and old friends, you were doing a tremendous and helpful job of making me look good because this, we, I think the subscriptions are up. We're climbing to that iTunes rank. Um, we got some new reviews, some ratings. If, you, if you're listening, you like it, bang that five-star rating. Hit a review if you if you feel inclined. You can do it from your phone. I, I reviewed my my own podcast from my wife's phone this morning um, when I woke up after the first round of the draft yesterday morning. I guess you're listening to this on a Saturday. Hopefully, you're getting some yard work done, enjoying a nice Saturday. Maybe get some cold beverages later. We're gonna do a Monday uh, draft. I mentioned this before draft, uh, and we're gonna get to Chris Trapasso and Ryan Wilson in one second and break down the winners and losers from round two and round three of the draft, but. The game draft. Go to the app, download draft as an app, enter code pick six, make a deposit, and you're going to get a free entry into one best ball tournament. It's going to be a $3 entry. We're going to play a $3 league for pick six listeners. So you're going to play for free and uh winner gets, it's like first and second place cash at the end of the year. Basically you draft your team. You can use like Saquon Barkley, Ronald Jones. You can pick um, in any, you know, uh, Darius Geis is now with the Redskins. You can pick him as well. And it, it's, you don't have to set anything. Mason Rudolph. No, Mason Rudolph, if you're so inclined, that's right, Ryan. Um, you don't have to set anything. You just draft it and it automatically picks the best players from your team each week, gives you the best score. That's the beauty of best ball. So check out draft. They're a great sponsor. They're helping us out and we can't wait to do that. Let's get to the actual draft. I have to crack this beer. Hold on. There we go. Well deserved beer. Chris Trapasso live in Dallas. How you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. Um, I'm a little tired out. And that's mostly just from hanging out with Pete Prisco for the last couple of days. He's been showing me the ropes, meeting a lot of people. Um, he might be, outside of the players and maybe Roger Goodell, the most famous person here. Don't be fooled. Pete knows a lot of people. I, I'll give him that. Ryan, you've been doing an event with Prisco, right? Yeah, don't let the jorps fool you. That's, <laughs> that's probably my advice. He, uh, no, Pete no. doesn't know everybody. He's been around since the 80s. Uh, covering football, and I will say two things about Pete. He's not the person you think he is on Twitter. He's completely different. He is completely and utterly honest. You can ask him any question, and he will give you a straight answer no matter how embarrassing it would be for him. And he has a story for every occasion. So uh, Pete true. is actually like a cuddly teddy bear, um, despite what his uh, Twitter appearances may seem to be. Also true. All right, let's get, let's, uh, let's get down to the nitty-gritty. Let's get the show on the road. The, uh, by the way, the beer I'm drinking is a Yes, Yes, Y'all. Mm, how about that for a southern beer? It's from Fanta Flora out of North Carolina. It's a really good brewery, um, but it's uh, an India pale ale with turmeric and black peppercorns. I think beer may have jumped the shark at this point. What do you think, yeah. Ryan? Yeah, confirmed, jumped the shark. The thing I want to talk about first, and we're going to get to winners and losers, and I might just lob this ball up in the air and let you guys go at it like a like Chris Trapasso versus Brady Quinn, except Ryan Wilson has his fill-in. <laughs> uh, for those that didn't watch, Chris Chris is on uh, CBS Sports HQ. You should be checking that out live, the entire draft. I assume you'll be on live all day Saturday. Saturday's the real grind when it starts to feel like a, a Vegas casino in that building. I'm sure the Cowboys Stadium in, Dallas, in Arlington will feel that way. Um, you... Chris Trapasso are a big fan of Mason Rudolph and James Washington going to the Steelers, correct? Absolutely. I mean, Mason Rudolph was my number one quarterback in this class. 
Um, obviously, I was in the vast minority with that opinion. Um, but just looking at the personnel, if you were worried about Mason Rudolph, you know, being in this wide open system with great receivers, well, he landed in a great system. You know, certainly we've seen with Ben Roethlisberger the last couple of years, they've really turned into a spread offense. He's in shotgun most of the time. They're doing four and five wide receivers. And, oh, by the way, they drafted Mason Rudolph's wide receiver, James Washington, before they picked Rudolph. So he has that, you know, just connection with him. And certainly he's not going to play this year. And But who knows how long Ben Roethlisberger is going to stay on the field. And even if Antonio Brown is getting up there in age at that point and Le'Veon Bell's not on the team, they'll have Juju Smith-Schuster. They'll have James Washington. And I just like Mason Rudolph from all the intricacies of what he does. Does not have a big arm, but moves well in the pocket. And it was the best deep ball thrower of any quarterback in this class. I was going to let Ryan dive in and, and just yell about it. Ryan, by the way, Chris, you can't see him because you were calling in from Arlington or from Dallas in your hotel. Ryan, who is actually a Steelers fan and is rooting for the Steelers to win in 2018, I don't think is quite as big uh, or quite as high on on the, these selections, but he is currently wearing an Oklahoma State sweatshirt, which he claims ah. he got a TJ Maxx several years ago. Ryan, maybe you're the uh, the estimated profit here. Yeah, so maybe the joke's on me for putting this on this afternoon simply because I was cold. Um, no, you didn't. You didn't really do that. You're joking, right? Oh, 100%. Wait, wait. Uh, you had that on all afternoon? Before the draft started. Shut and, up. And, oh, my. That's an oh, my. So, yeah, maybe it was meant to be. I, I should have put on an Alabama sweatshirt or, or maybe a Stanford sweatshirt or Wake Forest sweatshirt for my boy Jesse Bates. But, uh, wait, wait, yeah, so wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on. I don't, I don't believe you. I think you're lying. No, I've had the sweatshirt for five years. I got it for five bucks. I'll wear anything for five bucks. But you put uh, on you put on an Oklahoma State t shirt and then the team that you are obsessed with, the only team you care about they'd be like but like you I mean like the Steelers are your team. William Mary. What's that? Hear about the William Mary Tribe, Homo Mike Tomlin, yeah, Sean McDermott and me. But right, go ahead. You still mentioned the Steelers in that, but, but look, yeah. look, the only things you care about in life are photography, the Steelers. Seven Mary three and William and Mary. <laughs> yeah, and that's, that's it. Right. And you, you happen to be wearing an Oklahoma State t-shirt and the team, your favorite football team drafted the two top prospects from Oklahoma State. And me and, uh, Chris Traprasso, uh, vacation in, in the same Adirondacks town. We do. That is which you did not know. Anyway, uh, your opinion. Yeah. On, uh, on to be fair, I, in the wintertime, and it's still sort of cold up here in upstate New York, I wear this sweatshirt probably five out of seven days. So th- there was a good chance I was going to have it on today. But uh, James Washington, I like the pick. They traded Martavis Bryant, got the third-round pick uh, to Oakland yesterday. So I, I think that makes sense. You're going to replace him with someone who's sort of a deep threat, and James Washington certainly that. So he'll play opposite Juju Smith-Schuster and, and Antonio Brown, as Chris mentioned. Uh, then uh, they get around to the third-round pick. They trade up three picks, only get the seventh, seventh rounder to go up those three picks to take Mason Rudolph. And a couple things this tells me. Number one, um, they did, clearly didn't love Mason Rudolph in the first two rounds, so they thought he was – third round pick they moved moved up a little bit because maybe they thought someone else was going to try to get him but also they weren't in love with any of the other players that were still on the board and they had huge needs at inside linebacker uh they drafted terrell uh, Edmonds in the first round so that was some help at safety but they had need as an edge rusher um and even along the offensive line which they addressed later in the third round so the fact that they went with mason rudolph a guy who's not going to play this year probably won't play next year and God help us if Ben Roethlisberger plays three more years because, um, you know, and you've made this point several times, if you draft a guy to replace a quarterback who's playing for three years and he's not a first-round pick, he's on a four-year deal. So when said franchise quarterback retires, you have a guy you don't you know nothing about 
starting for one year. If he blows up, you got to pay him, and he may not be worth it for for the you know the subsequent years. Or you end up cutting him and he goes somewhere else and he's decent. So you're sort of a catch twenty two. I understand why they did it. I'm fine with it. I don't love it, and I'm fine with it for the reasons I just pointed out. There weren't a lot of guys there that they loved uh, to fill other needs inside linebacker, chief among them. I've got the I've got the Steelers book, book down. I'm doing my winners losers column now, and I don't have the Steelers as a loser. I had the Steelers 2018 title hopes listed as a loser because that's the difference. I think is look, I mean, look, if Mason Rudolph and James Washington are good picks and end up being, I'm not going to question the Steelers drafting a line. I'll be excuse me, a wide receiver in the third round because they hit all those all the time. It's like a or second round, excuse me. It's like a 75 percent rate that they hit on wide receivers they take in the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth round. I mean, they just, they crush it. Uh, they, they were one of the teams along with the Chargers, the Ravens, the Patriots, uh, the Cardinals, one of these teams that needed to take a quarterback at some point to replace Ben Roethlisberger. And if Rudolph is as good as Trapasso thinks he is, then they got a steal here. Um, so I, I don't mind it, but it, they're a win now team and these weren't necessarily win now picks is my only issue with it. Wait, I have a question. Is it really the thought that Ben Roethlisberger is going to play for three more years? I mean, I'm not asking that in a mean way. I'm just wondering because it seems like he kind of flirts with retirement every year. And then if you send out anything on Twitter, a lot of Steelers fans, not Ryan, but a lot of more rabid Steelers fans that are just crazy on Twitter come at me and say, oh, Roethlisberger is going to sign an extension and another one. I'm just I think that he's a little bit closer to being retired maybe a year or two um, as opposed to three or four years where, you know, like you said, where Mason Rudolph wouldn't even be on his rookie contract anymore. Well, a year ago, you remember that, that Mason, um, Mason, Ben said he's going to retire. He wasn't sure. So then he came back and played and played well last year. And then in January, whenever they got whooped up on by the Jaguars for the second time, he said he could play another two or three years. So he could change his mind. And, and let's be honest, if he spends – uh, June and July uh, on a hamburger eating fest. He, he, <laughs> may not, he may not be long for 2018 either. So I don't know. I don't get the sense that the Steelers, Mike Tomlin and Kevin Colbert, have any inside information because they always say, you know, we want them to play. We're happy to have them, but we don't know how long he's going to be around. So it's an insurance policy. I think worst case, two more years. Um, okay. And if you're on the depth chart, Landry Jones ain't going anywhere. So this is sort of a bad situation for Josh Dobbs, who was last year's fourth round pick, and he didn't see the field at all last year. Yeah, I no, I I agree. I think this is a they don't want Mason Rudolph to play, obviously, but I don't know that they're necessarily going to go. Like I would be surprised if they went with Roth, Roethlisberger, Landry Jones, and Mason Rudolph, because then you end up in a situation where if Ben gets hurt and he always gets hurt, you have to trot one of those guys out. All right, we could talk about Mason Rudolph for years. Uh, Chris, by the way, did did you feel? How did you feel post Brady Quinn video? That got a little heated. It got a little heated, right? Hey, I'm I'm really passionate about this. I know Brady is too. We all are, and and I spend a lot of time not just on you know guys that are going to get picked in the seventh round that I rank number two sixty five on my board, but especially the quarterbacks. And when I got hired by CBS, you know, at the beginning of last year, um, at the start of the season, they said, "Listen, you got to really hone in on these quarterbacks." So I. Outside of a few random Josh Rosen games um, that were on Pac- or on the Pac-12 network that I had to track down later and a few Josh Allen games, I watched every single throw from Mason Rudolph, Baker Mayfield, um, Sam Darnold, Lamar Jackson. So I, I felt certainly confident, but, I mean, no one is, is ever going to be 100% correct um, with their evaluations, especially on quarterbacks. But when Brady kind of, you know, jumped in, I just felt like I had to kind of say my 
you know, piece on Mason Rudolph. And I've been kind of dealing with that for this entire <laughs> pre-draft process because obviously, you know, I was really the only one who had him as my best quarterback in this draft. And, um, yeah, we just kind of got into it, but it was just two guys very passionate about not only the draft, but certainly quarterbacks with Brady being a former first round pick. You should have, so Chris, you should. let me ask you quickly. Yeah, um, yeah. three quarterbacks drafted in the AFC North at Andy Dalton. Um, and the Bengals weren't one of those teams. We know you love Mason Rudolph of the other two, Lamar Jackson to Baltimore and, and Baker Mayfield to Cleveland. Who has the better career? Do you think? I think Lamar Jackson in Baltimore, I think that obviously is a more stable franchise. I mean, Ozzie Newsome has kind of, you know, turned the reins over to Eric DaCosta, who's been his assistant GM forever um, after this season. But I, I just like the stability there. I think they will bring him along. I love Marty Morningwing and Greg Roman as kind of, you know, the, the West Coast offense and then the Colin Kaepernick, um, you know, pistol formation, power running scheme. Just kind of mixing that in, I think that kind of system obviously fits um, a little bit better with Jackson. And I just, I've been um, saying this about Baker Mayfield, um, which has been kind of unpopular, but I just don't know if his situation, especially on the Browns, is going to ever be as good as it was at Oklahoma. I, I don't love him um, when he's pressured inside the pocket. I think he's kind of like Tyrod Taylor in the sense that he tries to turn into a running back too soon. And where I saw Mason Rudolph many more times move around in the pocket, keep his head up and, you know, throw strikes, throw touchdowns to James Washington down the field. So I think they're both going to be decent pros, but I think Lamar Jackson in the long run in that organization will be a better quarterback. You should have body bagged Brady with some sort of Browns quarterback comment in the middle of that thing, by the way. Uh, I don't know what the result would have been. Uh, I'm going to give you a winner for, I'm going to give you a winner from round two and three. And I bashed these guys a little bit on, uh, on Friday or on Thursday after round one. I pointed out that I didn't like Dave. I love Saquon Barkley. I think he's a great player. I didn't like Dave Gettleman and the Giants taking him number two overall. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, but I thought that Gettleman with his big pants and his nerd mockery did that video his press conference he's mocking nerds type in for the analytics you know ruining running backs i look i'll give dave gettleman credit he came back and got deep in the hog molly territory in day two of the draft he comes away with will hernandez with the second pick of the second round that was 34th overall hernandez a nasty guard out of utep and then he goes and grabs lorenzo carter with the number 66 pick and then he got my boy at 69 Number B.J. Hill out of NC State. Those are three really good picks in the trenches, two guys who helped fortify that defense. I think Lorenzo Carter's kind of that inject, like, not, I don't want to call him Chandler Jones light, but he's a pure speed rusher who can step in and help in that James Baxter defense. Uh, Hernandez is going to benefit Eli Manning and that, and Saquon Barkley. And then B.J. Hill is going to provide Snacks Harrison a lot of relief in the interior and really be, he's a better player than people think. And I think that the Giants had a tremendous second day in the draft. Yeah, I think those players should just on their nameplates, it should just say Dave, Gettleman pick or like hog molly picked by Dave Gettleman. H, Something H along molly. those lines. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. That was such a Dave Gettleman, maybe not in the first round, but in the second and third. I, it, it was just like, that's a Dave Gettleman pick. That's a Dave Gettleman pick. It's, it's exactly what we saw him do in Carolina. Um, and yes, I, I totally agree with you that after Saquon Barkley, I love what they did today at the draft. Give me a winner in rounds two and three, Ryan Wilson. This is short and sweet. Uh, <laughs> I absolutely love the fact that your boy, Everyone's your boy. David Akers, France is into to the Cowboys Stadium, one. AT&T Stadium, 
calls out those cowboy clowns. <laughs> Yell! I mean, that guy could have gotten bum rushed, and we never would have seen him again. <laughs> he, he just went off for what felt like 15 minutes. The uh, Eagles traded up because they were concerned that hours after uh, Jason Witten uh, looks to be uh, retiring from the Cowboys, they traded up to get Dallas Goddard. Interestingly enough, named Dallas, the tight end out of South Dakota State. Uh, Selleck's gone. Um, the other guy signed, uh, the, the guy who threw Trey the touchdown Burton. pass, what's his name? Trey Burton. Yeah. Yeah, Burton's gone. So now he'll just, uh, Goddard will join Zach Ertz and, and join, you know, one of the most high powered offenses in the NFC. And, and I loved, uh, Aker's passion with which he just clowned the Cowboys. He looked, for, he, he uh, looked for like five minutes he was up there. He looked like an accountant. He gets up there and, yeah. he's, saying, and he's like, and by the way, these, uh, Again, I screwed up. I should have that audio for us, but I haven't figured out how to do this yet. Um, Acres, they're showing it again. He's like, and by the way, Cowboys fans, these draft prospects weren't born the last time you went to a Super Bowl. Uh, Chabasta, you got another winner for me from round one. From round one or uh, from, round from two today? Three. Yeah, you, okay. You yeah, sorry about that. Um, yeah. Chicago Bears, I think they yeah. have done the right thing building around Mitchell Trubisky. He showed some signs last year, but, I mean, it was just obvious that the Bears did not have the wide receiver talent um, to really help their rookie quarterback. We saw the Eagles and the Rams build around Jared Goff and Carson Wentz, and those two went from two pretty bad rookie seasons to two awesome uh, second seasons. James Daniels from Iowa, I think he got picked in the right spot. You know, all the talk of him going in the first round um, I think was a little too rich for him. He's a great run blocker, zone scheme kind of guy, super Athletic. And what I thought was telling about him, he was a true junior offensive lineman from Iowa. Like offensive linemen from Iowa are always like these red shirt seniors that are like 26 years old. And James Daniels was not that he was that talented. He needs to get a little bit stronger, but he's, you know, a perfect interior lineman. And then Anthony Miller, um, like I talked about earlier, you know, they did not have a good pass catching group. Now they have Allen Robinson and Anthony Miller, who to me is like Doug Baldwin. He's only 5'9 or 5'10. 180, 190 pounds, but he plays much bigger. He's got great ball skills, obviously very good um, after the catch. This guy had 32 touchdowns in his last two seasons at Memphis at 5'9", 180. He is a fun guy that can move them all around, can certainly play in this slot, will be a nightmare in this slot. I think they did a great job uh, on day two at the draft. I, I would agree with that. I have them already written out as one of my winners in my column that is going to come on CBSSports.com. Uh, Pete Prisco, huge fan of Anthony Miller. has been talking about him on this very podcast. Remember, you can rate, review, subscribe. Uh, we're joined by Chris Trapasso and Ryan Wilson. And, of course, you can watch uh, Chris on CBS Sports HQ. That's CBSSports.com backslash live all day during rounds four, five, six, and 7 of the draft when you're ignoring your family to watch teams pick people you don't know. Uh, another big winner I've got is a guy who was actually drafted in round one of the NFL draft, Josh Rosen, the Cardinals' new franchise quarterback, I think is a winner based out uh, of the fact that the Cardinals went back into the draft, and in the second round they take Christian Kirk, a nice little slottish type of receiver who, uh, who, who can really improve and diversify what the, the Cardinals have there already with Larry Fitzgerald. And then they go and get Mason Cole, a uh, versatile uh, lineman out of Michigan. And I think that benefits them. They, that was a compensatory pick. They didn't have their third round pick, but they used it to trade up to get Rosen. So all in all, you look at this day, if you're the Cardinals and you think, man, we had a really good draft. Ryan, another winner for you. Yep. Yep. Uh, so. Yesterday, uh, after the first round on Thursday, we talked about uh, one of my winners, and I identified 
the Packers because they addressed the, the defense and man, they ain't messing around. They did it again in, in rounds two and three. They, they went out and got Josh Jackson, the cornerback. And then they also drafted outside linebacker Oren Burks. And that was uh, a day after taking Jair Alexander. And just quickly, I'll point out to you what they've done this offseason to bolster uh, what was a pretty terrible defense for parts of last season. Mo Wilkerson's going to be in the front line now. Uh, last year, they drafted Kevin King and Josh Jones in the second round. And then uh, a few years before that, Ha Clinton Dix that was their first round pick. So the secondary is set. I don't think we're going to have any questions there. And as I said yesterday, uh, Aaron Rodgers coming back and he'll be mad about something. So. Uh, there's that. So, I mean, I we were talking about the Steelers sort of just sort of what felt like haphazardly drafting and not addressing needs. Um, the Packers had a plan, and they stuck to it. And from, you know, eight hours after the, the, the start of the draft, I feel like uh, they've addressed those needs and, you know, hit a home run. Now we can have a different conversation in, in the middle of October. But from right now, you know, high five to them. I believe that Pete Prisco said – Says all the time, I know you've heard it ten times so far this weekend, Chris. For every winner, there must be a loser. Give me a loser from the second day of the NFL draft. I just kind of felt indifferent about what the Indianapolis Colts did. I mean, they obviously traded back a bunch, so they had a ton of picks, which that's always good when you're rebuilding. I, I didn't hate their first two selections on day two. Darius Leonard, the coverage linebacker from South uh, Carolina State and Braden Smith, like the kind of phone booth blocker um, at guard from Auburn. But they did pick Quentin Nelson in the first round to, to you know, kind of prioritize the guard spot. And I, I'm not one of those old school guys that, that thinks you have to, you know, wait until the seventh round to, to pick a guard. But I just was a little perturbed by that because I thought they had bigger needs and they could have addressed um, other spots when they picked Braden Smith. And then the two edge rushers that they picked. Um, they certainly needed to address that defensive end spot. Kamoko Ture, his best season in college was in 2014 as a freshman. Yeah. Um, a pretty good athlete, looks the part, 6'3 or 6'4, 250, um, but really doesn't have any pass rushing moves. Um, not super strong. He's a project, so to pick him on day two, I think that was a, way too early. And Tyquan Smith was the 2016 Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year and then just kind of regressed in his last year at Ohio State. He's kind of a tweener, but but not in the way that would seem to be trending in the right direction for the NFL. He's kind of a tweener in that he's not really big and powerful enough to or or quick enough to play defensive end and be that guy that can fly around the corner. And he's not strong enough to play defensive tackle. Um, doesn't use his hands very well either. So those two edge rushers back-to-back for them, um, right position, but just guys I think they reached on and picked way too early. I'm, I mean, uh, what is it, uh, the, the line from Office Space? I'm going to go ahead and have to disagree with you here. Uh, you know, st- I like what the I'm Colts. I'm going to go ahead and ask yeah. you to come in. <laughs> I, I, that movie, by the way. Lumberg. That, movie, that movie's a top five most watchable for me. I, I've watched that movie like twice in the last three months randomly when it's been on and I'm at home. Um, the, uh, the, when, when Lumberg, uh, no, I'm going to go with the Colts in a second, but when Lumberg looks, <laughs> Uh, when Lumberg's like, yeah, Peter, and he's in there with the bobs, he's like, yeah, Peter's, uh, I'm gonna have to disagree with you. Peter's, Peter's been a real problem. He just, you know, did it. and he goes off it, and like, um, the guy from Scrubs, one of the bobs, you know, who's the guy's name, but he like, he makes his face like Dr. he's, Cox. yeah, he makes his face like he's gonna come over the table, and the guy like holds <laughs> up a finger. It's just, it's like this beautiful, subtle, stupid acting that, that I love. Um, I, I, look, I don't, I'm not gonna tell you that I know 
everything about Darius Leonard, uh, the, the outside linebacker out of South Carolina State. And I didn't know that Kamiko Turi, I don't, I don't know everything about Kamiko Turi, but I think what the Colts are doing, and you have to trust the projection by Chris Ballard here, but what they've done is they have taken a paper tissue soft pansy team that's been that way for, for five years and it has been cobbled together by Ryan Grigson getting cute by signing a bunch of free agents, and they are trying to inject some physicality at the line of scrimmage to it, and I like that they did that. By there's a, We're going to get pass rushers. We don't have any personnel for this defensive shift we're making. We're in trouble from a personnel standpoint, and we're worried about Andrew Luck getting his face kicked in, and we need to address protection for him and in the run game. So we are going to get two mauling guards, Quentin Nelson, Braden Smith. I like that they're attacking the core of the offensive and defensive line because when you have a team that's as tissue soft as the Colts, you need to get tougher at the line of scrimmage, and they've done that. Indy tough, Ryan. What do you think? Who you got as a who you got as a loser here? Or do you want to comment on the Colts? Yeah, no, I think you're onto something. Um, I think the th- it's sort of weird that you mentioned the last five years, Chuck Pagano was there for most of it. He's a defensive guy, came over from Baltimore, and he couldn't make anything of that defense. And I think you hit on it that Ryan Grixon had a lot to do with it. He was d- does not work well with others. He was, by all accounts, a clown when it came to, to making personnel decisions. Uh, you know, Trent Richardson will be on his tombstone uh, as responsible <laughs> for that. But and then it just sort of went downhill from there. So I think it's not entirely on Chuck Pagano, but at the end of the day, you're the coach, and if you're losing games and and not even coming close by the end of it, you, you're going to get Get, get, uh, you're going to get fired. So we'll see. I still don't think this is going to be a very good team. We have no idea what Andrew Luck's doing. Jacoby Brissett was, ha- had a nice season last year under some trying circumstances, but I don't have a lot of faith in that team. Um, speaking of teams I don't have faith in and talking about something I hate, I've been on this bandwagon pretty much since the day John Gruden was hired. Uh, they're a six-win team in my mind, and that's if they, everything falls into place for them. Uh, the best move they've made so far in the draft is trading for Martavis Bryant, but it cost them a third-round pick. Uh, they drafted Colton Miller, Miller in the first round, which makes sense on some level in that they need to protect uh, Derek Carr. But a lot of people don't love Miller, uh, at least where he went midway through the first round. Um, I'm not sure how Chris feels about that. But then they uh, on um, Friday, P.J. Hall, the defensive tackle, Brandon Parker, another offensive tackle, and Arden Key, who had some some serious off-field issues, who's a pass rusher. He was he was, uh, he was gone for like four weeks, I think, in pot rehab. Marijuana rehab, which I didn't know existed. How do you go to? That's called You can't go to rehab for marijuana. That's called a uh, four-week nap. That's what that's yeah. what rehab is. So anyway, they're they're drafting guys. I don't know what the plan is exactly. It seems almost haphazard. Um, and we know we don't know, but it feels like Gruden signing uh, Doug Martin, for example, and they're going to focus on the running game. But they only focus when they sign really old running backs that haven't played well in a couple of years. There's a lot going on. I don't see how this comes together. And I, and I sort of question what they've done uh, on the first two days of the draft. And you add in Martavis Bryant there too is another guy that they drafted in the in the in the third round there with that 79th pick. Oh, by the way, quickly, he better stay away from Martin Key because we're right, strike Martavis right. can never play again. Well, that's sort of my point. It's like you like okay, now good news, we've got really talented freaks in Martavis Bryant and Arden Key. Bad news is if, if they don't make pot legal quickly, we're gonna and, and they're going to California and then Vegas. Okay, like maybe that's a bit of a red flag <laughs> for two guys with with uh, with with off field weed issues. Uh, Chris, what about another loser for you from rounds from the second day of the draft? I'm gonna go with Pete's team, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, we've always been hearing about, or I guess did you, you know tell what? Pete that you'd pick the Jaguars as a loser? 
I, well, I didn't tell him I was going to do it, but I told him during the draft that I didn't like what they were doing. And he kind of felt similar because wow. the NFL is trending toward, and I don't think it's going to be like this next year, but it's trending toward, especially on defense, um, just a positionless game where, you know, strong safeties are free safeties and slot corners and linebackers. Everything's kind of gelled together. Ronnie Harrison is a strictly a box safety. He does not have great range. You know, he's the, you know, typical Alabama safety. Um, I guess Haha Clinton Dix has, has had some pretty good range in Green Bay, but Ronnie Harrison's not that kind of guy. Um, he made a lot of big hits at Alabama, but he had such a, you know, super talented defensive line in front of him. And then on the other side of the ball, DJ Chark, um, tall and ran a 4-3, but that's pretty much it. He is not good after the catch. He's tall and 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 kind of stiff. He's not very athletic after the catch. He's a linear athlete. And a lot of times, and certainly LSU's quarterback play was not the greatest, but times where the ball was put on him, he seemed to kind of struggle to just catch with his hand. So I think, you know, if you want to maybe try to get Blake Bortles to stretch the field, I don't really know if I would kind of lean my you know, offense Spoiler, on that. Don't. Yeah. Um, I, I, I get it to maybe try to take a safety out of the box for Leonard Fournette in that run game. Um, but those are two players that in a game that's going to be more positionless, um, you know, in the next three to five to 10 years, they just pick two guys with premium picks that are just strict, very limited in what they can do for your team. Um, I, I tell you what, a team that is a loser for me, or it's actually not a team, excuse me, it's a thing. That's a, it's a, it's a group of people, a group of, it's really a group of reporters and a group of fans based in New England. And it's all the Jimmy Garoppolo truthers out there who are waiting to find out what Bill Belichick and the Patriots get in return for Jimmy Garoppolo. They originally packaged, of course, the number 43 overall. They they received the number 43 overall pick for Jimmy G from the 49ers. And with that pick, it was widely anticipated they would take a quarterback at number 43 overall. And people were expecting that. And people were like keying on this pick that the Patriots would make. And they want, I mean, Look, the the ideal situation is they pick a quarterback there and we compare that quarterback to Jimmy Garoppolo for the rest of time. That didn't happen. And, in fact, instead, the Patriots traded four different times on Friday, once before the draft when they, they, uh, they traded for a lineman from the 49ers, of course, to really muddle the waters. And then they ended up moving down twice and then moving back up once. And the net result was you don't know what the hell they traded Jimmy Garoppolo for, and you won't know until the 2019 draft is over because they got a second-round pick from the Bears in that. And that's a good haul, but it's just going to be difficult to figure out what the Jimmy Garoppolo – pick was and at the end result is good for the Patriots because no one can compare what they gave up uh in order to what they what they got back in return for Jimmy Garoppolo is that insane what I just talked about am I the truther here Ryan um I don't believe half the things you say so I mean well, that's that's, that's worth pointing out but I will say this and this is speaking of truthers I have my own conspiracy theory about the whole Jimmy GQ Bill Belichick uh thing and, and I don't know if I've said it on this podcast but I've certainly said it anywhere Grocery stores for sure. Uh, picking up my kids at school. Whole but here's foods. the thing. Whole, <laughs> whole paycheck is, uh, oh God, is, uh, some people call it. Um, here's the deal. I, I find it extremely weird that they originally had two first round picks on Jimmy Garoppolo, um, March 2017 or whatever. They traded him on October 31st, uh, 2017 for that second round pick you point out. And I mean, that's a huge difference for a guy who <laughs> sat for two weeks in San Francisco, then promptly won five straight games and just signed a huge deal because he's the, the franchise future there. 
I'm convinced that uh, in 2019, Bill Belichick will moonwalk out of New England, um, somehow kill Kyle Shanahan. We, we, it'll be <laughs> weird circumstances. Murder. And he, he will be the head coach in San Francisco with Jimmy GQ, and um, Brady will probably have retired by then to Costa Rica with Giselle, and uh, you know Belichick will continue to win Super Bowls from the West Coast. I mean, there's no other explanation for how you give a player like that. And then the conversation becomes in the recent weeks, well, they're going to draft a quarterback. Well, that's unbelievably stupid, even by Raiders standards, as much as I crush them. I can't imagine that was the plan um, for the Patriots when they had their franchise quarterback on the roster as recently as last October. It's hard to believe that the Patriots and Bill Belichick would like find a good home for Jimmy G or take less than maximum value in order to, to help him out. It, that seems like a weird thing to do. Uh, Chris, you got uh, any more quick losers, winners, or overarching themes you'd like to touch on from round two, rounds two and three for the, of the draft? Um, I'm going to go with the player quickly. Um, sure. Maurice Hurst. And I feel really bad for this guy that on the field, I had him as a top 10 player in this draft. I mean, he was just ridiculous at Michigan. Didn't get to start right away, but last year um, when he was in a starting role, he was dominant. I compared him to either Grady Jarrett as his floor and Geno Atkins as his ceiling. Gets the heart condition before the combine, then comes out that it gets cleared by Harvard doctors and Michigan doctors. So I assume those are you know near the top in terms of intelligence um, in this country. Uh, doesn't have to go back to for the medical recheck, which is usually those players with those lingering injuries. And now he's still sitting here um, when round four starts. Um, this could be a situation where I thought maybe, you know, two or three teams may have taken him off the board with concerns. This could be something where most, if not all teams just removed him from the board. This isn't a knee. This isn't a shoulder. This is a heart ailment. Um, so I just feel really bad for him because he played at Michigan, got cleared um, and, Maybe not just for his football career, but I hope that he's okay health-wise. But just from the football side of things, you know, this is someone that his tape um, shows someone that should have gone in the first round and definitely should have been picked um, on day two. Yeah, it's a dagger for him. And, and I, I think I heard Mike Mayock say at the end of the, the discussion on NFL Network that he talked to 10 to 15 teams and only one of those teams had Maurice Hurst on their board because of the wow. – the heart issue, which means that it's entirely – you're right. I mean, like he was a guy that was in a lot of first-round mocks and people expected to go early, and he might go completely undrafted. Ryan, any overarching Oklahoma State-related themes for you from rounds two and three? Not Oklahoma State, but LSU, uh, specifically uh, Darius Geis, who fell into the third round when the Redskins finally drafted him. And it was a weird situation. There were a lot of sort of – Rumors about why he kept falling. There was conversations uh, on Thursday morning, as recently as, as Thursday morning, that he would be a first-round pick. Are you, are, you dra- are you jogging in the bushes there? What you got going on, buddy? <laughs> I, was, I thought it was your dog. That's <laughs> <laughs> not my dog. Are you, gonna, are you walking the dog, Chris? 100% Trapazzo's in his bed rolling around under the sheets trying to get comfortable because it's so late. <laughs> I am walking back and forth. I am a, I'm a, uh, a pacer. Like when I'm on the phone. Yeah. When I'm on the phone or doing a radio interview, like I try to sit down, but I like can't do it. I, I, I got the switchy sweatpants. Yeah, uh, I, I, stands. I, I pay. <laughs> I, <laughs> Sorry I, about that. It's fine. I pace too. The worst thing is two, two separate interviews today. My Robbie, my son, my son has figured it out that when I'm on, when I'm on the phone, that I'm doing that like I'll I'll give him anything he wants just to get him to leave me alone. He came up to me twice today. And the first of the time it was at ten thirty this morning and I was doing a radio spot um with our, our friends Grant and Danny in, in DC 
And Robbie comes up and he goes, Oreos. I was like, I was like, no, it's just 1030 in the morning. No Oreos. And he was like, Oreos, daddy. And so I just had to like pull some Oreos out and throw them at him so he'd stop. So he'd <laughs> shut you had them in your front pocket. And they, 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 yeah, yeah, they do the same thing for a 330 interview. He's a little, he's a little punk. Anyway, Ryan, Hor- sorry. Horrible go parenting. He's got major, uh, hard, horrible parenting. I have major parenting red flags. Your, your continued rant on Darius Geis. But yeah, so Darius Geis was a whole a weird situation. We thought we, he was going to be a first round pick as recently as Thursday, minutes before the draft started. He slipped into the third round. The Redskins finally took him. Uh, a lot of murmurings, a lot of reports about him having issues interviewing, um, uh, and other sort of crazy things. TMZ even had to come out and say they had no sort of blockbuster scandal they were about to report. So, uh, that sort of seemed to go away once the Redskins drafted him. And I thought Reggie Bush made a really good point, um, after the draft was over on NFL Network that, um, it's, it's not clear what exactly happened, whether he, he was provoked in an interview, which sometimes happens when, when teams ask players questions to, to see what their reaction is or if it was something more than that. But he pointed out that Darius Guy saw his dad killed when he was five years old, and maybe that has an impact on, on a young man. And if you're uh, sort of interviewing someone for a job, you, that's something to, to keep in mind. And, again, we don't even know what the story is, but I thought that was something worth considering because we every year once the combine's over, we, we hear reports of this, the insane questions sometimes these, these players are asked. And I wonder if that had something to do with it and, and sort of with, with his, um, the way he was perceived by, by other teams. Uh, the good news is, I mean, if he works out and everything checks out, he is a fantastic running back. And if any team needs a running back, it's the Washington Redskins. So, you know, hopefully it works out there. He seems like a perfect fit on paper, but it was, it was a weird situation, much in the same way that Josh Allen racist tweets things were on Thursday. And, years ago laramie tunzel we find the out bonk. literally minutes before the draft that he's wearing a, a gas mask while, while he pulls an arden key so uh you know another sort of weird thing in, in what seems to be an annual well and then um, let's not forget um obviously in a much more serious issue but lyle collins was investigated yeah lyle collins as well that's right like a potential homicide situation we've seen it is it is crazy how this stuff this stuff didn't this stuff didn't happen back in our day uh but the guys thing is really odd and i noticed that he this seems more relevant now but before the draft he tweeted out he's like i need to he's like i'm gonna ditch the flashy clothes that i was gonna wear to the draft i'm gonna turn it down i guess i just can't be me or something like that and you just get the sense there's there's clearly there's some some other something bizarre is happening behind the scenes, and there's a rumor that he's provoked. And I don't know; it's 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 all odd. But you're right; he did land in a spot where you know the Redskins used a fourth round pick on Samaje P. Ryan last year. Rob Fat Rob Kelly, who I like, is a fine, but he's not a you know a stable back there. Keith Marshall's a speedster. Capri Bibbs is a, 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 a guy. Chris Thompson's good, but again, he's and not an Chris Thompson's back. not a future back, exactly. So Darius Geis could be a feature back in that offense, and the Redskins could be kind of interesting next year. All right, Trapasso, get us out of here on this. What do we need to look for in rounds four through seven? Because, frankly, Ryan and I have no clue. Kyle Laletta, Um, You guys talked about, you know, we have to talk about Mason Rudolph at length. Um, and I thought the Patriots, cause they were moving all up and down the board tonight. I thought one of those times it was going to be for La Letta. If you want your, you know, potential next Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, I mean, after what the little that we've seen from him in his seven starts, he has looked like a franchise quarterback to a certain degree. Um, so I don't know if La, if La Letta is that good, if he processes that quickly. I want to see where he, he ends up. He could be, you know, not all those teams with those veteran quarterbacks. Um, you know, address the uh, quarterback spot, obviously. So a team like the Saints, 
um, a team like the Chargers could be very interesting for him to land if he doesn't go to the Patriots and we try to do, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo 2.0. That's above all else. I mean, I could, you know, throw some random North Carolina A&T prospects out there, but it's not very interesting. I want to see where he lands. Um, and you know, if he sits behind a veteran, he does have the skills, a quick release, um, pretty accurate in the short and intermediate levels and was just, you know, a, a dominant player at the FCS level. I think it'd be perfect to fall into that Jimmy Garoppolo role and sit behind and, you know, upper echelon or elite quarterback and take over or maybe get traded for a second round pick and then sign a, you know, $100 million guaranteed deal um, in a couple of years. <laughs> Kyle Valletta, by the way, um, manufactured by Bill Belichick in a laboratory. He his, he went to uh, Richmond. He's a lax bro, loves lacrosse, and his father was a Navy punter. This is every every yeah, box on the, on the Bill Belichick bingo board. And Kyle Aletta should probably end up with the, the 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 Patriots, which means he almost certainly will end up with somebody else. But he won't end up with the Steelers because they got all the Oklahoma State guys, including Ryan Wilson. Uh, fate meets again. All right, that's going to do it for us. Unless you guys got anything else you wanna you wanna add on the way out of here. Subscribe to the podcast, rate and review. I really get, oh, by the way, shout out to Vince Young, who couldn't pronounce Harold correctly. That was incredible. <laughs> Honor Landry? Harold, Frank Landry, what's the difference? <laughs> we called him Honor Landry. Um, uh, at Pick Six Pod on Twitter, at Chris Trapasso on Twitter, at Ryan Wilson slash underscore or underscore 07 on Twitter. And, uh, thanks for listening. As always, we will be back. Sunday morning to give you a full winners and losers breakdown of the draft. Ryan Wilson, John Breach going to do it. Check out CBSSportsHQ.com or CBSSports.com backslash live to watch Chris Passo, uh, John, I mean, excuse me, Pete Prisco, Nick Costas, Brady Quinn, Jason Lockenfora, Danny Cannell, all the guys ripping it on video all day on Saturday. Thanks guys.